I have some exciting news before we start. I just launched the Red Cheeks Academy with the first ever online workshop where you can learn about ethical production of intimate scenes. If you work with intimacy on screen in any capacity, this is for you. The workshop is for people who want to become intimacy coordinators. These can be cinematographers, producers, directors, or sex workers and performers who want to benefit from their experience. If this sounds interesting to you, head up to academy.redchicks.org to submit your application for one of the first sessions. And don't forget to check out the FAQ page with info about scholarships. Now, let's start with the podcast. First, I wanted to actually ask you if you watch a lot of porn. <laughs> Great question. Get asked this a lot. Um, you do? I yeah, yeah. Actually. The answer actually is no. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Since working in the industry, because, well, there's two reasons for it. It's like, firstly, um, I don't want to recognize my friends. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a- yeah. And then secondly, um, you can't switch your work brain. <laughs> well, you know, like too much in work mode, like for yeah. me, subject now. So uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Not anymore. <laughs> for me, also, it's mostly like work mode. But I think I can switch in between, like work mode and personal mode or yeah, exactly. being like, I mean, mode. in the industry has said something like similar some people can and others just really can't at all yeah. just think too much about work yeah and <laughs> but you know i find it funny the assumptions that people are like oh my gosh you can watch so much porn i'm like yeah what do it's you think i do um, with that <laughs> so many people will always make the comment like oh like do you moderate it like thinking that that's some like sexual thing when in reality like there's nothing um like no about moderation um it's very like very much the opposite (laughs) (laughs) but wait what do you mean by people thinking they moderate can you like tell me more oh yeah so like often like when i explain to people what like um, my company does or like how i work in the industry a lot of people then ask like oh so like are you the one watching and approving the content okay right um because i think people think that it's like somehow like a sexy job to moderate an adult site when in reality it's it's not a very fun job Uh, (laughs) in like work mode of trying to stop anything like harmful or illegal it's a very different mindset (laughs) it is very different mindset and i think it's very hard to like view illegal content or like like you know uh image-based sexual uh abuse or something like this I always had like a set rule in our company that the co-founders had to do a set number of moderation hours as well as with the other moderators because yeah. ultimately we're the people making the decisions about the guidelines of the site and I don't think that we have the authority to do that if we don't have like on ground experience with like moderation and kind of having an understanding about how what kind of content does go up and all of that um i had to like set restrictions on how many hours of it i could do and also how many hours a week i can think about guidelines because it really does like affect your your mood that's like for sure uh and it's quite it's a lot of heavy topics yes yeah and you know like when you work from home or you work as a freelancer i mean freelancer someone who runs their own company um 
I think you kind of tend to do the work after work hours, you know, even yeah. if you have like a set work hours, you suddenly have an idea and it's like, oh, what if? And then you um, follow exactly. this rabbit hole of discussion and deep, deep thinking and then you're like, shit, spending evening just talking about work. Especially when it's like a super early startup kind of stage company. Yeah really get the concept of like the nine to five working hours so some days would be like 7 a.m till like midnight or something yes exactly exactly yeah. totally yeah and i think people have this perception that it's actually very easy to do work like this or working from home it's so easy or i don't know working for a company like related to porn it's super easy but at the end of the day there are so many things and even more because are you it's harder because exactly. I always say, like, startups are, are hard enough, um, but then add on the aspect of the adult entertainment industry on top of it, and yeah. you've made your life, like, 90% more challenging. Yes. Um, because that's more, like, you can't, like, market traditionally, um, like, banking issues, exactly. finance issues. So it's, like, way more obstacles, actually, um, to run an adult company. So you have to get really creative. Yeah. And, but then, at the end of the day, or, like, when you get your head around those things, those obstacles, and you know how to overcome them or how to deal with them, then you're like, shit, I can do anything. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like if yeah. I can figure out how to not get banned on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And even if you don't use the words, like, you know, sex, or like if you use uh, I don't special even, characters. like, bother to, like, use, like, words like sex instead of sex on Instagram. Yeah. Because even that gets caught the algorithm. Like I just like completely went into the reverse of just trying to do like comedy material to get the traction via that. Oh, um, okay, so it's not worth um, risking losing an account, really. Uh, and so, even, yeah, sorry, keep going. I just like especially when like as a company you've invested so much money into like influencer marketing ambassadors, to then lose your like social media account is just so not worth it. Yeah, but then I see some companies there, like, there is no problem for, like, they have so many followers, and then they are not posting anymore frequently, but still, like, all of their content, it's either suggestive, um, or are some drawings, you know, like, I don't know, are we saying that drawings are now suggestive, or they are not, you know? And I think it's like some sort of something that's clear with social media, that was rules don't apply to everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so frustrating and what do you think about uh, twitter do, are you often on twitter uh i have it i it's the one platform i invest the least amount of time into though wow. um, i personally put more time into instagram and tiktok because i get better results on there wow. uh, and it kind of just fits the kind of content i do better um, I know that like, Twitter is technically better in terms of the censorship isn't it um but i've never really like I mean, I've used it, but I, I've never gotten the same results as I have off of like Instagram or TikTok. I found mm. that those are more like powerful. For me. I I actually well, I like it a little bit more now after uh, Elon mm. Musk took over. It changed visually, at least it changed, you know. Like, but again, he's now implementing some other changes that probably you have to actually pay for the blue tick or kind of membership because now it's kind of membership based. I just based. find it like a very user-friendly app. Mm -hmm. Like if I scroll, I just find it like hard to focus on it. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Yeah. And when you said that you make some sort of comedy content, what do you mean by this? Can you give me an yeah, example? So um, I played around with our social, my personal and then 
our company social media a lot um, to kind of like see what kind of content that produces like more conversion rates onto like our paid site and stuff like that. Um, and originally I had started off doing a lot of like sex education stuff. Um, and I came to the realization that that was getting me nowhere with the shadow bands and everything. So I was like, okay, we'll throw that out. Like um, and then I was just like taking a look at what other companies do. And I was like, okay, well, I knew that I wanted to stay away from the traditional corporate like accounts because I wanted to be making content that I myself would be watching on social media. Yeah. I thought that that was a better way to try to get people's attention. So we started doing stuff like street interviews and like more like comedy sketches, like some stuff related to like working in an office because mm -hmm. then that in turn got people then um like kind of laughing and then following the page because they like the comedy content but then because there was that office element in it then people were then becoming curious about what the company did and then that's how we got a higher conversion onto the site and it was like the most effective thing ever it was quite interesting okay. And then we would do like street interviews where we'd ask people questions about like dating and, and, and shaving. For some reason, people are very passionate about shaving. And, <laughs> and so like you're still kind of going into these topics that can kind of like relay into like sex education and, and like adult content, but you're not ex being explicit or risking your censorship. Mm -hmm. um, like that's kind of the route we took. And it was really interesting because the minute we switched into that, we went from having like 5,000 followers to over 50K within the space Fuck. of three months. And then we also saw that our user numbers went up 85% on our actual site. Mm. Um, and then you I was got just to about to ask that. Yeah. And then I had my own personal social media went up from 700 followers to 60K plus in the space of a couple of months after making those adjustments into doing more like comedy style stuff mm. with office elements. So it was a lot more, um, it was interesting because it was the cheapest thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, got as better results than any like advertisement we'd ever run any influencer marketing campaign because I'd originally also worked with a lot of influencers and the problem is with influencer marketing it's like Russian roulette like one time you know it'll do super super well for you and then another time you've wasted like 5k to get two followers or something and you're just like okay really? yeah so it's really not worth it and then also we had the same thing where we had an ambassador program where we had a lot of different um, performers being our ambassadors and some of them it was like very helpful for our brand but then you'd have others where you're consistently paying but then they're not using the site or something like that and it this didn't is the thing you don't want to have like followers who do not engage uh, with your content on your main website because at the end of the day the social media is kind of used for marketing and you want them to convert to someone who exactly it's like you don't want to just be spending the money for no um result yeah, yeah. especially an issue with um and influencer marketing, not with everybody, but with some people who will want to take the money to promote the product without even looking at what the product is. And then that's like a bit yeah. of a danger zone in the sense of, firstly, you should always be looking at what you're promoting from like a, for many reasons. But also we had one person do this and then you get users that will then go onto the site angry that this person is not on the site and then they don't take it out on that person, they take it out on the company. Um, so yes. like, it's not worth the risk. So that's when we were like, okay, like, how do I do what the other influencers are doing for myself to then in turn get a bigger result onto our my own platform because yeah. like who's gonna promote it more than like no one like will promote it as much as I would myself. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because I'm also thinking with influencers or you know, some sort of affiliate marketing or something like this. I think 
Personally, I would look for people who are somehow connected with my company. I'm kind of sure I'm you really need people that are invested in what you're trying to do because with Freya, like it was a bit, it's so much more than just like a company. It's a social movement to try to make this industry safer for the users and for the um, performers. So you need, you want to have like an ambassador team who also is very passionate about that because mm -hmm. it translates. People can tell when like an influencer or something is not like invested in a, in a, yeah. Um, so you really like we eventually got the mix right and like then it, it got us like better results but it was definitely like a lot of like figuring it out and it's it was funny because before we launched I spoke with um one studio in the UK we were just having a chat and he said to me don't do an ambassador program save your money <laughs> and I at the point I was like no it'll be good it'll be good and then I was like to him I was like you're right <laughs> you're right <laughs> but when he said master program what did he mean by this Oh, ambassador program. Uh, ambassador, I understood yeah. master program. Okay, uh, ambassador okay. program. And I was yeah. like, yeah, he was right. He was right. Like, I feel like after doing that adjustment with our own social media content, you then, which like doesn't really cost you any money, you're like, oh my god, like I wish I had done this like sooner. But, yeah. Yeah. And so how often do you post and how do you come up with the topics? And are you generally a funny person? Like, do you think you're... <laughs> because I can imagine that it's actually difficult to create something. It's difficult to be funny consistently. There's definitely, like, a lot of this is, like, very... We take, like, a very data-driven approach to all of it, which doesn't sound funny. Um, but you kind of, like, really have to test the waters because there's some content that we put up which we thought would do really well and be really funny. And then it just does okay. And then things that you thought were just kind of average. And then they get into the millions. And you're just like, this makes no sense. So <laughs> I recently did a video which was like on male shoes that are red flags. <laughs> and like, I didn't really expect this to do that well. And then it ended up getting like 4 million plus views. Oh, but shit. what I was more interested in was that it really triggered some people. Really? <laughs> some guys were very upset that I dissed Crocs um like like <laughs> massive cyberbullying going on and um I think like it just made me laugh because I thought like this is what people were considering controversial when I was like I literally work in the adult industry I'm not getting criticized or, or controversy on this but I'm getting criticized on crime <laughs> that's actually super so, funny and how did you how do you come up with those topics so um originally like so the aim was like we would post usually five times a week like a reel um because like a lot of this is like such like the, nowadays the way people work is it's like there's a lot shorter attention span with these social media mm. apps yeah there's this expectation to be making content making content and making content yeah. uh now though i go at about three times a week because uh, it's more sustainable really it's like better mm. quality um and like so like yeah at first we just kind of started off with the street interviews and then we had the idea to make a presentation like a, have an employee give a PowerPoint presentation on why I needed to hire more men. Yeah, I saw, I saw yeah. this one, yes. <laughs> and then kind of then tried doing more different types of PowerPoints. Um, so just kind of come up with those ideas. But it gets harder and harder though sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so more. But yeah, we would just do lots of brainstorming sessions where everybody will do like an hour every week and then we come up with like 20 more ideas or stuff like that. So just trying to keep it as like creative as possible um but yeah it's it's not so easy it's so much effort to go into like 30 seconds yeah you know? yes i just was about to ask how much it takes you to do one video one reel um so the filming itself i mean it really depends it usually takes five to ten minutes to do the filming um yeah. for like the average videos but then the editing can take 
uh, anywhere up from um, 20 minutes to an hour plus mm. for 30 seconds because we test the editing a lot. Like you want to be able, you have to get people's attention span within one second. So um, how do you test it? So we'll take like, for instance, we have a presentation, there's a couple different slides uh-huh. and then sometimes we'll play around with like, we'll do one edit, which has all 10 slides in, then we'll remove some, then we'll move the order around to see what will keep people's attention the longest. Um, yeah. We send it out to a lot of different people to kind of like get the feedback before we oh, even wow. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of playing around with the editing. Okay. Wow. Yes, uh, especially then sending and getting feedback and figuring out. It makes me laugh because I've definitely had some conversations with, um, even like on social media, where you'll get people that will comment, are you guys even working? You're always on social media. And you're like, this is work. (laughs) This is hard work, actually. Managing social media and getting attention of people and getting followers. Bruce would, I would say, you know, like, you kind of want to bring some value to people, but then again, you have to probably do it in a more funny way uh, so you get more attention. Yeah, and it's like if you kind of com- you can combine the serious topics with the comedy. Like, I will use the comedy to get people onto the page, and then I have like my own Substack on like different yes. in the industry, and then that's a way to then funnel people onto that, and you do see the yeah. conversion. But it is a lot of work because you have to like mm-hmm. also have like a bit of a thick skin to deal with like comments and stuff like that. Yes, comments. Do, do um, you even check those negative comments or? Um, depends. Sometimes I read them. But I, more like I find it funny. I don't, I don't take it too personally. It's That's just right. like, yeah, you're so like I make my favorite insults. I turn them into mugs. Mugs. <laughs> mugs. Like, you know, like kitchen mugs. Yes. Tea, I'll put like my favorite insults on mugs. <laughs> <laughs> so like I think awesome. insult, insult me well. Um, but I try not to look at too many of them because like I think you can't spend too much time on it because especially with the videos that go viral, it's a little too tempting to look at it um but yeah you have to have like a bit of a thick skin with it you can't take it too seriously can like, i have a mug yeah i mean like i started How many do you have? that say like because like i made sure it's saying i hate maria club as a joke for like people that were rude and like i actually sold a couple <laughs> <laughs> i would love to have a mug when i will come to london yeah i'll get, I'll get the the mug. Mug. <laughs> I have one that says cuntsplainer on it <laughs> but yeah and you also then have to deal with the also i think what was kind of overwhelming is then having um even like the positive attention because when you have people that then kind of form like online relationships with you or friendships and trying to kind of keep that appropriate as well and um it's a lot of work (laughs) and i think some people understand that um you know you're busy with your with what you do with your work and it's a good relationship it's just cannot be overwhelming and some other people don't get that and they just I was just quite surprised though because like I definitely expected to get more like negativity or creepiness in my DMs but majority of it was actually people being genuinely very nice or it was people that are just like so interested in this in the adult industry from like the business side and like not knowing these things and then like there's definitely you can see like because it's such a taboo topic in our society yes yeah yeah, everybody watches it and everybody wants to talk about it. And so then the minute then you kind of start like making this kind of content or you have like your substack, then people are really interested in it because they want to finally have that discussion. Yeah. So I get a lot of people messaging me wanting to have a discussion about some of like the banking stuff in the industry and like not yes. that's kind of because I think like we 
from what we do hear about the industry, it's usually from like what Netflix now. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of it's like, I mean, it's not investigative journalism, let's be honest. It's like, no, absolutely and, not. And, or if you hear about the industry, it's either something negative about a company or it's about performers. And you yes. never really hear the good side of things about performers. Um, yeah. And you never really hear anything about the companies. So even if we look at that recent Netflix documentary, the one about Pornhub? Yeah, the one about Pornhub. I have not yet watched that, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, so... Alert, alert. <laughs> firstly, I don't think you can... It's such a big topic. I don't think you can reduce this into 90 minutes. It should have been a docu-series, right? Yeah. You want to do it investigatively. Um, and it, it went into, like, importantly so, it did go into a lot of how this decisions with MasterCard and Trafficking Hub affected performers. But what it didn't do was talk about how these regulationary changes have then made so many more issues for other adult companies coming into this space, like particularly for newer companies coming in who want to make this industry safer, et cetera. Mm -hmm. This isn't giving them a chance because ultimately these regulations aren't going to affect Pornhub or like the big sites because they already have brand recognition and like, so it's not really an issue as much for them. But if you have a new site trying to come in who can't market, who can't get a bank account, who can't get any investment, then it doesn't really mm -hmm. have a chance. What regulations are you talking about? Uh, MasterCard regulations, firstly. Yeah um the, the bank accounts getting stricter as well about allowing any adult industry um, members into banks um then the increased censorship on social media uh, also increased media censorship so if you're an adult company it's actually really hard to even get a pr agency yeah. because a lot of newspapers and magazines don't want to write too positively about a porn company firstly because of fear with their advertisers also because of their own relationship with their banking partners yeah. and their investors it's this whole thing yeah yeah. Uh, so ultimately, like this really does affect companies and it affects the smaller and the middle companies. It doesn't affect the biggest companies on the same scale. It's always like this. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like with any type of business, you know, it's always uh, oh, generally in society, society, we're like richer people or people who are better connected, uh, have more money. They are not that affected as the people who are just not so like who are poorer who, you know, like, they try to make every day, like, try to earn money, and it's hard for them and everything, where you have people who are like, whatever, I'm not worried about my life for another 20 years, and I have money for the college for my kids, and all it's cool, all, everything is cool, so, yeah. It, and the same in, in the industry. Yeah, and like the, it really felt like mission impossible a lot of the yeah. time because it's just like obstacle after obstacle. It's like you can't like run ads. You can't like properly talk about your messaging on social media. You can't get funding. You can't have a bank account. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. All these things. And you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like yeah. nobody would be able to, to do it. And I think what I was so surprised by was when naively, when I had first started, because I was coming at this from like a social impact angle, I wrongly assumed that people would care about that and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, but you're exempt from this or you don't, you don't fall into this, um, like bucket. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, you get treated like all the same. And I think that's the shitty thing in this industry is, if one company does something bad, everybody in the industry is labeled as bad. Whereas you don't really see that in like the farming industry or something. It's like one yeah. farm does something bad and then no, we're going to ban all farming. You can't da da da. Yeah. So like, that's quite like frustrating. I think for a lot of adult companies is you're all kind of branded 
as one way and you're constantly having to like justify that the industry is not like completely shady or it's not that people everyone I speak to everyone's like it's shady it's shady and I'm just like what are you talking about yeah yeah Um, there of course there are bad players in the industry exactly like any industry exactly exactly and as you say yourself but there are also companies who are trying to do usually smaller companies who are trying to do something different Mm-hmm. And then it's really, really hard for them because by default they are labeled as as something wrong, and they are like people directly assume that they will be doing something bad and illegal and harmful. And before we dive, because I would like to talk to you, with you about the ethical pornography, what mm-hmm. is that, and how to how to deal with this mm-hmm. um how did you get into in this into the industry what, very, what was like a motivator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i was still in university and then i was working part-time in the u.s democrat party and um i always from so i used to do like competitive rowing and then in, i ran like campaigns to reduce like sexual violence in the sport and I did the same thing at university. And then I was aiming to do something similar on those topics in um, politics. And then I wanted to do something around like sex ed legislation and trying to increase more porn literacy. And then I quickly realized that like, that's just not going to happen. Like you're not going to get a politician to talk about these topics. Um, and then that's when I thought that it would be more effective to make my own adult company. And then I was speaking with my um sister about it who's actually like good friends with um samantha bentley who's quite a um like she's a famous porn star Mm -hmm. um and then we um got together and then we just started along with one of my other co-founders to start freya and that's kind of how it started (laughs) yeah and just taking a few steps back why um when you were doing some campaigns about what what did you say it was a sexual um sexual assaults in uh, yeah like in yeah yeah why, why did you go uh, into that because i also have heard that there is quite a bit of that and uh oh yeah there's a lot of it and like yeah. um different like sporting institutions like especially at the more like competitive and like higher level and then so like based on like my own experience then i started my own campaign to try to change the rules in the um in that sport about it because their safeguarding rules had like a lot of holes in it um didn't actually have like a firm policy about like sexual violence at the time um so it had said something like oh like refer like in their legal documents it would say like uh, if sexual violence or harassment occurs refer to the code of ethics and you go to the code of ethics and it says to refer back to the original code so like it didn't have like a firm um policy and then you just kept hearing more and more stories from other um like women and men in the sport about what was going on then i tried to do something about that which took a very long time to get some changes in took took a while but kept at it um and then yeah after that i knew that i wanted to do as much as possible around these types of topics because i just felt like a responsibility to do something about it um and yeah and then that's when i was just thinking about like porn and like you see like, I don't think porn's a bad thing, obviously, but I think the issue is, is nobody's getting proper sex education. Mm. Everybody's learning off of porn and then they're copying it and they just don't realize. Don't think, yeah. And that's nobody's like, in particular, one person's fault. It's not porn's fault necessarily. And it's not like the uh, user's fault, but it's like, it's, it's, everybody has this collective responsibility in it. Like we need better sex education. We need better porn literacy. 
um, some porn sites need to kind of start to include a little bit more education since it is, I know it's meant to be entertainment, but we have to acknowledge that a lot of people are using it educationally, consciously. Yeah, exactly. It's porn education because from one hand, like, look, as you say, uh, there is not enough sexual education or it's, we have very poor sex ed. Mm -hmm. So I just a birthing video. (laughs) Sorry. My sex ed was a birthing video. Really? I describe that as birth control. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, did you speak with your family or like, siblings or friends about sex or intimacy Mm, i mean yes and no not like not in depth how was how was it treated in your home i mean like to be fair like with like my mom like quite decent like we had some conversations about it but never too intrusive or anything like that like we still keep our our distance about it but it was like it was that was fine uh and i think it was more like I mean, it became more of a discussion actually once I started in the industry, because I think then you also noticed like not just like with family, but then also like with friends and everything, people wanted to talk more openly about everything. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I know this not just for myself, but then from other friends that work in the industry is then when you suddenly tell people that you do, people just want to like open up about all these things yes. that they don't want to talk about usually or they don't feel like they can because they suddenly feel as though they're in like a, a safe space to, to speak about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think like I was chatting with some of my friends and we were saying like nowadays, like you can see the direct results of people learning from like porn, like with mm. the choking and the slapping without asking. And it's not to say that those things are like bad to do, but it's like you need to ask. But um, because there isn't that, ex- even though there's the consent behind the scenes in most um, like content, it's not always on the screen. Exactly. And then young people, they consume this content and then they think, okay, well, like this is a part of sex. They think choking yeah. and is a part of sex. So if you've agreed to have sex, you've agreed to do that. And then that's where this problem kind of like comes in and you, you can't really like deny the direct correlation between it, especially for people born, I'd say after 95 in specific, because there's increased digitalization um, mm-hmm. and there's easier access to these sites, but also everybody now has their own devices from a young age, which is more privacy, da, da, da. So you just can't really like, you see the direct results of it. And then that's when I kind of got the aha moment about like, okay, like if you can make a safer porn site, if you can increase like sex ed and porn literacy, then in turn you can reduce instances like choking without asking. And that Mm -hmm. can help with my overall goal of wanting to reduce like harassment and sexual violence. Um, And to also like kind of like, and so that's what I thought originally. And then once I got more and more involved in the industry, I also then wanted to show people that the adult industry is not this like big, scary, mean thing <laughs> that, cause there's so many misconceptions about it. Um, yeah. So then it also became about trying to increase the literacy around the porn industry being just like another industry. I think people don't get that we run like any other business. They think, I don't know what they think we do, but um, it's like, it's, it's a business. And yeah. you know, if you want to do it right, you actually have, you do it uh, there is a lot of paperwork you have to be really really careful uh if you don't want to end up in jail yeah you know so i think there are more restrictions that people who want to run a porn website need to follow than if you just i don't know open a grocery shop yeah but you know what was really fascinating to me was i kind of expected to get have to follow a lot of government regulation in this industry and yes you do 
but the majority of the regulation comes from the banking and the finance industry, mm-hmm. which I just found really fascinating um, because, you know, it's not like it's democratically like elected and you just really see how much power these institutions have, um, which was a good and a bad thing, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how did you overcome the issue with banking? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the first instance I had an issue with the banking I had just come back from like XBiz Miami and we had just gotten um, we were about to get like our in- investment into our um, bank account and then I suddenly looked at my phone I got a notification that had bounced back and our account was frozen and it says you have 60 days to get out of the bank but you couldn't access anything and like so that was like mortifying on two levels because you suddenly had an investor that you had to say like explain the situation to and you're worried about that um and then like also then you're like okay need to find a bank account at first like my co-founder and I like okay like that's not the end of the world we can find a bank account and then like the days kept ticking and it was like harder and harder like nobody was going to let us in and like I know a lot of industry people use like um Paxum which is like a offshore Mm -hmm. bank but we didn't really want to use it because it's one percent inbound and outbound payment um charging fees so we're like okay well that doesn't really work if you're early stage startup because that adds up um and then like we eventually just had to use like a mixture of different like private banks and online banks but there was never like a like firm solution and there was always like the in the back of your head being like oh, okay we could lose an account tomorrow yeah um but on the bright side you get very good at handling stress <laughs> you just didn't get stressed anymore you just like, oh. it's important to see the bright side yeah, I even yeah. had like, a personal bank account cut as well. Really? Yeah, yeah, which was like a huge shock to me. Um, but then, you know, you speak to a lot of the performers and they all have like such similar issues. And I think the problem is, is like, even if you have smaller banks like Revolut or like Monzo, who may want to be able to cater towards these types of industries, they ultimately can't and won't because they don't want to risk their relationship with mm. larger financial partners. Mm. Um, same thing with like payment gateway services like Stripe, etc., um that's another thing um like what i was saying earlier about how like you know one company does one thing and then it affects everybody yeah. uh, it's like i think one of the fan sites got kicked off stripe which then meant everybody got kicked off stripe so oh it's like, like that. it's um and that was also annoying with payment gateway services like you don't think about it too much um but you can't use like the mainstream ones, which usually take two to three percent off an individual transaction. Mm. But you have to use the ones for the adult industry, which takes up anywhere between seven to twelve percent off an individual transaction. So when you're using a fan site, you know you'll get a lot of performers who will complain that like uh, a site takes twenty percent. But then mm. if you factor in the twelve percent, they're really not getting as much money as you think that they are. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't um, realize like the issues on the company side which then has the ricochet effect on the users and the performers but there's just not enough like conversation going on about those kinds of things which is what i've to like shed more of a light on because it's it's very frustrating yes it is it is i look i remember that when i was trying to open bank account uh, for my company i got asked different questions and i was like well do I lie or like, I mean, yeah. we have educational content, so that's also uh, different. But if you even mention like intimacy, people are getting suspicious. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean by intimacy or intimacy coaching or what, like, you know? So, yeah. And 
sometimes, like as you say, if you are a bigger company and you know people, it's probably easier for you to actually open a bank account. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know situations like this. And the worst is don't be an American with a porn company. Yeah, <laughs> makes it harder because they don't like <laughs> in Europe. They don't like it if you're American as a company director because of tax. Um, oh my god! Issues. And then you add on the porn thing on top of it. It was like, oh no! And so, how? Well, maybe no. First, let's talk about uh, ethical porn. So, what do you define as ethical porn? Oh my god! I hate this term. <laughs> Why do you hate? I'm, it? I'm really ominous about this all the time. I hate this term, ethical porn, um, because the word ethics is in itself a philosophical debate and yet everybody uses it as though it's something with a clear definition when it isn't mm. ethical can mean so many different things um and i feel like it a lot of the time my issue of it is that and then it's used as a marketing label kind of like dolphin safe tuna it's like everyone's saying we're sustainable we're ethical but then it's like okay just because you've like labeled yourself as that like what the hell does that even mean um so like we never actually used the term ethical because mm-hmm. i just felt like it, i just didn't know how to define it or like what that meant and i didn't want to then get thrown in the same bucket as people that might use the label wrongly mm-hmm. um i mean the thing is i think is ultimately like what we were trying to do is just try to make a site that is as safe as possible for the performers and the users um i think when we think about the adult industry people tend to think just about one type of business model so they'll think about either like studio systems or um tube sites um i can't comment too much on the studio system because i haven't worked in the studio system but i know when it comes to ethical porn that's a lot about performer treatment and treatment behind the scenes um but then when you did something like what we were doing it's a fan site Mm-hmm. And then that's like already a little bit different because firstly, when it comes to like the performer treatment, it's their own produced content. So that's where um, for us, the most important thing is to firstly make sure that we have a proper KYC verification for every single performer. So we know mm-hmm. it in their account. Can you explain uh, KYC? Yeah. So like um, it's kind of like signing up for a bank account when you need to take a photo of your ID, facial verification as well. Um, so some sites don't actually do this. Now everybody should be doing it as of two years ago. Um, but the problem is that some sites will just have you take a photo of your ID, which is a little bit too easy to fake. Um, so that's why for us, it was important that we do ID scans and facial verification scans um, so that we can properly like ins- assure the um, identity. Um, um, and- how do you do uh, facial scanning? Because do you Yeah, have- so the, that, the thing is, is you don't do this in-house because... Yeah. Like, we're not specialized in that. So you, you, it's about who you partner with to do that. So you use a third party mm-hmm. company that's um, specialized in this. And we use one which was like partnered with other banks. So it's, a, it's a, the kind of like securest you can do. Um, and then another thing is making sure that the content is moderated properly. Um, so like what a lot of sites will do is they will just moderate what is reported or they do random moderation. This didn't feel good enough to me. Um, so I designed this AI pre-moderation system. So if somebody tries to upload nudity onto our site, it would throw it into um, pre-moderation. So it would immediately be sent to a human moderator. Um, then they would check the KYC on the performer. Is it the right person attached to this account? Um, is there anybody else in the content? Um, if there is somebody else in the content, they require a cons- an approved consent tag. So they have to manually accept consent. Um, mm-hmm. We also need their ID and their KYC. And that doesn't mm-hmm. meet the guidelines. And if it meets all three of those, it can go up. If it doesn't, then 
it doesn't go up. Um, but what I liked about this system is firstly, then, you know, if you have something illegal or harmful, it doesn't even go live. Mm-hmm. And then if there's something that's gray area, you have the time to have the discussion with the performer about what's mm-hmm. going on. Like, could you explain this to us so that they're more involved in the content because what happens too often on some sites when there's a moderation they'll just take the content down no explanation you can't have a conversation and sometimes there are just moderation errors or misunderstandings so like it's so important to us that we can have that kind of dialogue uh, and that creates like a better experience for the user but like most importantly also for the the performer um so yeah in terms of like how to make a fan site ethical this is all about like what kind of like making sure you're really on top of regulations how you're moderating how um the dialogue is with your performers because too often like most of them struggle to even talk to customer service so like making sure they can have an open dialogue with you and just doing everything you can to stop harmful and illegal content from getting up onto that site and what then, do what do you mean they cannot talk customer service like can you but like if you go to one of these really large fan sites as a performer and you have an issue you reach out to customer service but you might not hear back for two weeks to a month and you might even mm-hmm. not have your issue resolved and especially when it comes to moderation there isn't like a dialogue about the moderation like that you don't get a proper explanation as to why your content's been taken down and you can't appeal it similar thing is like when you're on mainstream social media like if you have content taken down you can't talk to somebody about it So it's like all those kinds of things. Um, we also then wanted to make sure that we had like mental health resources for like our performers, like free therapy sessions, stuff like that. And then for, on the user side was like making sure that there was like educational content alongside the pornographic content to like increase that um, literacy, but then also protecting users from some instances of like scamming or something that can come from the performer side as well, which everyone doesn't mm-hmm. always talk about. It does happen. Not, not saying everybody does it, but it does happen. Okay, can you, give us an example without names and um, just like customs delivery so uh-huh. this a big thing on fan sites is making customs um the issue is with a lot of fan sites is there isn't a direct payment function to to purchase a custom it's usually done via tipping um and then so what happens sometimes um this isn't just on our site i've seen it everywhere um somebody might spend like 800 to a k on custom content and then they never get it delivered and then because it's done via the tipping function there isn't actually the um requirement for them to deliver it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then that's also then not fair on the user but it's also not fair on other performers who then have users that don't want to buy their custom content because they're scared of this happening. yeah Yeah. So trying to like do stuff about that and because I think like a lot of fan sites they try to ignore the fact that there is porn on them. So they don't actually properly acknowledge these issues. But or, wait, what what in those websites created to uh, handle mm-hmm. porn content or well, not all fan sites have been built for porn. And that's like one of the biggest issues that we have in the industry with some of the bigger fan sites is that they were originally not meant for porn and then there's infrastructural issues to that and they still don't want to fully admit that it's all a majority of it's porn like they'll say there is porn but like there it's not the business focus and oh. then that leaves a lot of gaps on a lot of things yeah but then they like should be responsible in a way for that Um, adult content because it at the end it ends not up being like you cannot ignore no, that the thing that we're, then it's like that's why some sites don't want to say like we are mm-hmm. a porn site they'll say we have porn but it's not our main function and mm-hmm. if it's not your main function it's not your main responsibility which is what then happens with sites like um social media sites like there's porn on twitter um yes and it's not verified it's not like the same it's no, not as safe as for say on uh like 
even on Pornhub probably, because um, yeah. it's verified. Um, but then on a regulationary standpoint or a government standpoint, if they don't have to follow the same online safety regulations as, for instance, Freya, because Freya is a porn site, Twitter's main function is not porn. Yes, but even if the main function isn't porn, according, I think I'm getting this right, but according to 2257, they actually, the one who distributes it, is somehow responsible for the content on the platform. So, yes and no. Okay. This is going to get more. tricky because of Section 230. Um, sites like fan sites are hosting sites. This is not legally their content. It is third-party content. And under Section 230, sites cannot be legally responsible to a degree for third-party content. Okay. So, that would mean that... But then... So, because like that is designed to make because obviously when you get automatic uploads onto your site and stuff like that you cannot control everything to a degree like there will always it's inevitable that something will go up that's illegal or harmful and so section 230 was designed to protect sites from that kind of like harm because it's not their content however there's a lot of debates now going on about section 230 and the fact that it needs to be amended because like so many internet laws they're outdated and like a lot of the laws they can't keep up with how fast all of this technology is changing um so yeah it's, it's really difficult because like i've had frustrating conversations with government regulators like um in the uk they're trying to impose age verification on every single user that visits mm -hmm. a porn site so and i said you're gonna do that to twitter <laughs> yeah Exactly. Uh, and they said no it's different and this is the thing so like it's like people take this kind of a it's like different function um but yeah i think that's where it's interesting with some of the fan sites because they were not always built for porn not all of them some and then obviously it happens and then when you're not built infrastructurally as a company for adult content you are always going to be running into some form of an issue but okay, then so if you have a website that produces their own content, so obviously they have to meet 2257 regulations, mm -hmm. yes, collect IDs, have the paperwork, everyone has to be of legal age, etc. And uh, let's say then you also um, buy content from other companies or acquire content from other producers, uh, to which category this falls to? Is it something that so you license, as a website are responsible for? There's a difference for? between though, if you're licensing content, if you're buying content from every company, and if they've uploaded it to your site. These are so like, if you're licensing it. Models. Yeah, so if you're licensing it, then um, you're responsible with it. You need to have all of the paperwork in place with the 2257, et cetera. Um, and then that's then your liability because you've purchased that content and you've uploaded it onto your site. But then if somebody is then just uploading that content onto your site, there are more legal protections in place for the company. Um, but like, so like what we, but now what's kind of coming in with like the new MasterCard regulations, which is good, is that um, companies need to be able to show um, consent for pornographic content. The um, issue is, though, is that this is not being properly um, put on everybody. So you'll have some sites that will have to do it, like a lot of like the heavier porn sites have to do it. But then you have other social media sites that allow adult content who aren't put to the same standard and they don't have to follow the regulation. So there's still, again, it's this whole consistent theme we see of like yeah. rules apply to everybody. And what do you mean by show consent? 
is it through the forms? Yeah, two two five sevens basically. Okay. That. Okay. Um, what we didn't do like two two five sevens. We designed instead a virtual consent system because it was way more secure than just paperwork. In what way? How did it work? Because the way that we had designed it was the consent system basically was a two two five seven, but virtual. Um, and then that okay. manual logging in on both sides um but that also is good about that is then consent can be taken away um so if somebody decides like they've distributed the content then the person can go back onto the system and take the consent away and then the content goes down because that's also an issue that happens especially for couples who make like content together they might break up or something and then you yeah. don't want to distribute it anymore but you've signed a two two by seven um so it's kind of stuff like that and it's just a bit more um secure Really. And and friendly also. It's reversible mm -hmm. and you know that's a really Yeah, really because cool. like you might be happy with the content at one point and then you might not later. And I think also like um it's interesting though because I think we had one of the more secure processes for third party content. If you look at other sites, yeah, you might just have to tag the performer, but they don't actually require you to even upload your two two five seven. What the expectation is is that if they ask, you need to be able to show it. So you don't actually have to upload yeah. it to the sites, which is quite like I don't think that's secure. Yeah, it's not anything. bad actually. And I, also, then it's a huge issue for other performers because they might get a notification that they've been tagged, but they can't even see what the content is. So, like, yeah. how do you know if your content's been stolen if you're being catfished or something like that? Yeah. So, also it's also like so a lot of what we were doing you know it wasn't just to make the site safer for like the yeah. users but to protect the performers um with their own content and also to stop it from being stolen because that's a huge issue in the industry yes it is it is because then you know even if you remove the content from the main website it ends up it's somewhere okay. else yeah. exactly and that's why like i always say to performers like it's really good to work with companies like cam model protection or like branded scam who like help you find the content and remove it because you can lose so much money based on yeah. like stealing your content. Money also stress, you know, like if you yeah. don't want to have it out there and suddenly, you know, you still find it somewhere that it's... You very... know, like it's okay when like it's easier, not okay, sorry, it's easier when it's on a, it gets uploaded onto like a tube site because that's easier to remove. But mm -hmm. if it goes onto these smaller forums and everything, like mm -hmm. they might remove it and that's like mm -hmm. the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so you mentioned age verification. Uh, why is that so problematic? I think a lot of like what I've wanted to do is make the industry space safer. Mm. And I think that that is not the solution to make things safer. I think it's going to make things more dangerous. Um, and that's can for a couple you, of reasons. Can you just, before you go to those reasons, can you explain what is the concept of age verification, please. So this would mean that anybody that wants to access a porn site will have to put their ID in. Um, and there's a couple of issues with this. Well, firstly, this is like a data privacy concern and there's a lot of users who just won't do this. Um, they won't want to do it and I don't really blame them for not wanting to do it. It's one thing for performers because it's your job and you know that you need to be putting your ID in. Um, but for like everyday users, you know, a lot of people, like they're not going to feel comfortable putting their ID into a porn site. And that's just kind of a fact. Um, also, just like on a like larger philosophical level, there's so many questions about should we, should companies and then governments have access to that amount of information about your porn consumption, stuff like that. So understandable. Um, we've seen other countries 
ban porn or do something like that kind of a rule and you actually have the data to show that it doesn't change the porn consumption because what people do is they'll get a vpn and then they'll go into another site yes and so what this will do is it will make sites like ours will follow the regulation and then what's going to happen is then users are not going to go onto the regulated sites. They're going to probably go onto the dark web and to other sites that are not as regulated. And then that can expose them to potentially more dangerous and harmful content. Mm-hmm. So that's like the issue is it's not actually going to necessarily make the industry safer. Instead, and there is the data to show it, it can make the industry more dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. it's also what, da- what data are we talking about? So if you look at instances in cases like in India or in Germany and even in France and Spain, like they've tried to push this through before. And then you just see the porn consumption on other sites outside of those countries increasing. Mm-hmm. And there's larger people going, I can't name the sites, but like there's people yeah. going to certain sites that are not as high high safety standard for, for mm-hmm. sure. So like that's really the issue with it. And then I also think, you know, like if you're going to make that kind of a policy, then this can't just apply to some people like then you need to be putting this on other sites that have pornography even if it's not their sole focus like twitter Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. like that's also the thing is then you feel like as an adult site that there's just more and more things going on you and you're not being supported um and it's like we want to make the industry safer like we've had so many conversations with the uk regulators about wanting to work together and make the industry safer we said when you do try to do something like that and like they won't even listen to you and they're not talking to people in the industry it's like it's not it doesn't feel fair. I hate using the word fair, but it says this doesn't feel fair. Um, because quite often when it comes to porn legislation, like politicians are in, they don't want to talk about porn because of popularity rates and people are scared of talking about it. Mm. And then they do this thing like what I like to call blind regulation, where they'll make a rule for the sake of it to look mm-hmm. like they got something, but they don't actually have the conversation with performers. They don't have the conversation with the companies. They don't know anything about this industry. And then they go and make a rule about something they don't know. Now, if you're going to make um, legislation about like, um, I don't know, like fishing, you're going to be talking to people in the fishing industry about it before yeah. you make it and have Hopefully. that discussion. But then with porn, it's just like they close their eyes and they're just like, oh, we're going to do that. Yeah. Like, That's not going to make the problem go away. It can cause more of a larger problem. And it's like people that take this anti-porn stance, it's like you're never going to be able to get rid of. Yeah, exactly. So let's just make this safer and let's have a proper discussion about how to yeah. do it. And like doing stuff like I, I said to the, the UK that they should be doing, if they're going to do a regulation, let's look at moderation. Yeah. Put something in on moderation, like, because like what we saw directly of our site was when you had that kind of a pre-moderation system, it is way more secure than even social media sites. So it's like, why are we not looking at kind of like, I think those are solutions rather than just like. For example, this pre-moderation system would work with the websites where people upload their content so far, creators, smaller creators, but Mm-hmm. maybe not necessary well for studios also if they upload the content to the website i guess but um it can work yeah anywhere. it's also the like is, there's a lot of misconceptions about moderation and how to do it because moderation is actually like a relatively new concept and really it was invented by like the first social media companies that came in because before mm. that we didn't need internet moderation so mm. They very much defined the standard of moderation, what it is. And um, even like a lot of the big tech companies got into trouble in the last couple of years for not having enough moderators or for their moderational practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need to also be looking as a society and as governments, like 
at how not just porn sites are moderating, but social media sites. And is this the way, is the way we're doing it right now, the best way to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think people very much go along with the status quo. Of, okay. Look at what's reported random moderation but is that the way to do it it's like when i approached this one moderation company and i explained what i wanted to do they're like why would you do that mm-hmm. they're like you don't need to do it like that and i was like but it's gonna be safer they're like yeah but you don't need to do it mm-hmm. and yeah. so like, that's the problem it's like just because we're not doing nobody's doing it right now doesn't mean that it's not correct yeah totally totally and so let me just get my thoughts together because I actually have so many questions. We, we even didn't get half through the list that I <laughs> wrote here. And, but um, so how do you make it safer for people? Because there is one thing is the production process. Even if you're like a creator, a smaller creator or individual creating your own content, there is certain production process. So mm-hmm. either you're a big studio and, you know, you have to collect ID, you have the 2257 form, yes. Maybe if you work with someone else uh, as a smaller cre- uh, as individual creator, maybe then uh, you work with someone else and then you need STI testing, you need mm-hmm. consent con- communication, boundaries, knowing what are the boundaries, you know, maybe establishing some safe words, I don't know, things like this and filling in two to five, seven, yes, collecting the data and keep, keeping it safe. So that's like a, the production side, broadly speaking. And mm-hmm. then you also have the values that we we the producers or people who create content they present on the screen and sometimes i think the argument is like oh this is like not safe to show to anyone and let's say we're talking about some kinks and fetishes being like where do you draw the line for the showing on the screen it's a really difficult topic because there's yes. just no straightforward answer to it. And I think when it comes to guidelines in gray areas, it's just, it's an evolving thing and it's case by case. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, and a lot of it, like, cause sometimes you, even like when we were making the guidelines, like it was such a large discussion over a long period of time. We got a lot of different performers involved in it. We ran so many different like focus groups, like being like, how do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line? Mm-hmm. And I think like, firstly with this, there's, collective responsibility in making this industry safer so yes like it's up to like the fan sites and the tube sites to have a high safety standard and that's one piece of the puzzle uh it's up to users to be consuming more consciously um safer content it's um also up to governments to improve sex education and to have like good regulations in the industry um but it's also up to performers and I feel like sometimes this is left out um, because I think people will throw the responsibility onto the companies and to the governments mm-hmm. about what's wrong with the porn industry, but also for performers, especially nowadays with the rise in the fan sites, like you said, they're basically their own production houses and they're, they therefore have the same responsibility as a studio. Yeah. Um, and they also need to think about what kind of content that they're putting out. And it can't only just be, this is how I make money. You also have to think, is this a good way for me to be making money? Money is like, is this yeah. good to be giving to a user or stuff like that? So like, it's so many pieces of the puzzle and this will only get safer when all of those are playing their part. Like if you just have the companies doing it and then the performers don't, it's a problem because then also the companies then will struggle to get performers use the site if they're like, oh no, but I can't make that kind of content on here. And then they go somewhere else. Um, it's, it's a really large 
thing and everybody has responsibility i think too much nowadays we like to blame one person because yeah. he's there um but it, it's a couple of us we all need to like take responsibility in this yeah. uh in terms of the content you know it's it's really tricky because there are definitely some things that i wanted to get rid of that i had to like i mean like i got backlash for like you get people saying like that's how i make money you can't get rid of that that's my kink da, da, da. um and like that's why I've, for me, it was so important to make sure that these are evolving discussions that we can always mm -hmm. talk about it and we can always change it. Like if there's someone has a good argument for it, then like, let's have that discussion. And then I can amend the guideline if, yeah. if it makes sense. And you can you give an example of such a um, king? Because for me, it's also like... Well, so it's something I was really, there's only one thing that I, well, not one thing, but one of the things I drew a hard no line on was actually student teacher porn. Um, I know that that's yeah. contrary um and like I know that not everybody will like agree with my opinion on it but I didn't feel as though I wanted to host that kind of content on my own site because I just think that it's not um like responsible for me to do um, not because I'm necessarily worried about like older people than like like with pedophilia etc because actually with a lot of the studies it doesn't uh, always show that that there's a correlation um i worry more about younger viewers that then look at that as a fantasy situation or normalize it and then in their own day-to-day -day life will look at that as a fantasy rather than like abuse or red flag um so that was more my concern um and i saw that with um like growing up and then with like my friends and everyone around me's consumption of it um and, and then i think i guess with the, my own experience within like um rowing and everything i was like okay i'm not going to host that kind of content i just didn't mm -hmm. really think that it was necessary and then i think there's also this element of like the schoolgirl sexualization with the uniforms and everything mm -hmm. like i went to an all-girls school i had to wear a school uniform and you're walking the street mm -hmm. at 11 13 15 years old and people are like sexualizing it and that's just not right and there is a direct we know where this comes from so i was just like i don't want to be hosting that um funnily enough like i expected to get a lot of backlash on it and i didn't i had a lot of people like performers agreeing that they didn't feel comfortable always making that kind of content so like it wasn't too much of an issue um but yeah then there were other things where it's just like okay well you can't like ban that like i think my co-founder talking about diaper porn <laughs> and then we'd like is that like a pedophilic like suggestive yeah. like we had to have the discussion like and it wasn't saying that we had a stance on it ourselves but those are the kind of things you have to debate with these guidelines yeah. and then um but then when you spoke with performers and then people like in the kink space they were like you can't get rid of that da, 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 da. um so we we didn't, I mean, like, didn't um it, it's it's very difficult as you say yourself because uh, first of all, as a company, I think you have the right to decide what you want to distribute or not. And exactly. like, if if you if you have a conversation and you went through all those like conversation with your team and you went through all those reasons, I mean, fuck, it's your company. You are deciding. No, what, that's what, like, and if you find it, uh, the content as upsetting or creating more harm than um, it should or creating harm in general, I guess, um, then you just don't show it. But the other thing is, you know, like, okay. You can't let your own personal bias get too involved though as yeah. well. It's like a huge balancing game. Cause like, that's like kind of the discussions we would be having is like, I remember my co-founder said to me, like, when he said, when we think about these things, we need to think, is this how we personally feel? And we just don't like it. 
or is it actually a problem and like so you would have to like really like like you had to dig so deep like making thinking about making these rules and everything and then that's why you had it had to be such an open discussion getting so many different people involved and i don't and i think like that's the issue sometimes with like big tech companies when it comes to um like guidelines is that firstly the guidelines are very vague and then they'll just make like a statement like no harassment but then like Mm -hmm. they don't define it and it's like it's actually kind of hard to define things like that um, and it's the same thing, especially then with like adult content. It's like, how do you define things? Where is the line? And that's why also a lot of this has to be case by case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why, again, an argument for the pre-moderation system, you have the time to make this case by case. Um, and like, if something kind of have to, as moderators, you're always told that go of your gut. Like if something feels a little bit wrong, then you need to second look at the content. Cause there's some things that you just can't like think of in the guidelines that then you suddenly see it and then you're like okay that's not okay that's not allowed or that shouldn't be allowed so Mm. it's it's a very difficult yeah it's a difficult and i know from the workshop you know like uh we have a lot of discussions with with people who enroll in the workshop we actually have a lot of discussions about values about what actually ethical means to them because i understand why people don't like to use it because as you say it's quite huge philosophical theme like ethical mm. you know the easiest way is like okay it's what's good and bad but then when you go to that like uh, like how do you know that this is good or based on what do you define this is good or bad, you know everything is like evolving because you might be doing one thing today that you think is good and then the next day you have a couple other people saying hey we don't like this yeah and then it's kind of about how you can adapt as a company knowledge. exactly Exactly. And, right. and then and, it's more about acknowledging when you've made a mistake and then how to adjust it as well. And not worrying to change them, to change your mind, because if there is more information that comes to you and you're like, oh, fuck, maybe we shouldn't have done this this way or done this at all. It's OK to change your mind. Like you don't have to stick with what you thought about like five years ago and you it's good like, you're changing you yeah and it's something that i found interesting when looking at some other sites guidelines is the like it's a bit like sexist discrimination against women in terms of some sites banning like things like period sex or yeah. Yeah. um lactation and i know i, I have a, i know a couple of performers who got their accounts like banned or censored because they leaked a bit of milk but they just had babies it's just like come on um yeah and like and when you look into like we so like that was something that immediately we were like okay we need to change this because like that's just ridiculous um but a lot of this again comes down to banking institutions not being comfortable with things such as like period sex but would they be comfortable then with schoolgirl team no exactly exactly it's all because for me it's the same uh kind of uh yeah yeah, yeah, the same thing because if schoolgirl, if you go and if you decide that schoolgirl team is not something you're going to show, I mean, okay, I can see how lactating could be sexualized and maybe they but don't want to like do like it. But it's being done, like if it's like a small mm-hmm, thing, exactly, and then uh, something else. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's, it's it's interesting, especially with the period sex thing. Like I, I did a podcast of this one, um, like porn photographer mm-hmm. and he got in trouble um with a bank a payment processor over a photo with fake blood and then so he just changed they said take it down so then he changed it into black and white and then they said okay it's fine now oh my gosh you're <laughs> fucking kidding yeah so like it's the fuck? Yeah. 
Well, I'm just like, I don't, I think, I guess the issue that they have with like period sex is that people worry that it will fall into blood play or something like that. Um, but I think argumentation wise, that's not a very sound argument because that can be like any other form of porn where it can then be something else or it mm. could be something else. So, I mean, because you allow period sex doesn't mean you allow blood play. It, that you just then don't you just have to draw the line in the content like case by case again there's a huge difference between those two things and so what do you think about porn for women is that going to change anything how how do we even define porn for women i don't know how to define porn for women <laughs> me neither. I mean, um i don't know i mean like that's not really like the area i've worked in to be mm -hmm. honest um because i know there are a lot of companies that are focusing on that so i was like okay well like that's not where we're focusing uh, because we're also in a very different field of being in the fan site space but i was a little bit cautious about wanting to label our site as only for women um mm -hmm. not to say that we are not for women but i also wanted to make sure that we we're also for um men because ultimately if you want to, to for us we were like okay we want to have the wider goal of trying to like improve porn literacy and improve consent and make this industry safer we can't talk to 50 percent of the population yeah, true true yeah so like yeah. that was something because i felt like there were already a lot of companies targeting women and i didn't feel as though there were as many kind of doing both mm -hmm. um, that it felt like it's either men or it's for women so i was like okay let's go in between um because you know, I think people are trying to balance it right now because in the past, a pornography would be targeting only men and you'd be exactly. some exclusive thing for I men. Feel like we got so many positive comments about it because mm. for men, they like actually liked that um, it was for both because they said that they found it interesting to also look at some more of the things for women. <laughs> and so they then learned from that. So like, I think people kind of liked that it was just a bit like, this is for everybody. Mm. Um, yeah, and also you know, does uh, producing something for women uh, is so different to what men like to see? Like it's there is, no, I don't know. No, uh, uh, you I know, I don't think so. Right. Actually, but I think it's yeah. I mean, like I don't, I don't know. I, I personally haven't like watched any of that. Mm. I know mm. about it. I don't watch it. Um, yeah, I mean, I like when it's focusing on uh, like pleasure of both. You know, everyone involved. Maybe let's. Say I just like think like if I because like we also had like a like a lot of sex educators on our site, and it was like when I would be recruiting them onto the site. You know, it was super easy for me to find sex educators for women, mm -hmm. and it was like mission impossible to find anybody to do sex education for men, and like that kind of showed a clear issue to me. It's like, okay, well, it's great and we need all these resources for women. It's super important. But like we also need them we for cannot, it's like how are we going to yeah. improve things around consent, etc., if like those resources are not available for men. And it can't only just yeah. be women doing this for men. It also needs to be men doing it for men. Because like let's be honest, like some people kind of would I know a lot of guys would prefer if it's coming from a guy. Yeah. Um, like yeah. with the male shoe video, you know, they would prefer yeah. that from a man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I think we need more resources for, for both because again, it, it takes two to tango. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And mm -hmm. so how do we make it safer for the viewers and for people who are working in the industry? Uh, big question <laughs> i know and we kind of talked about this through yeah i mean it's like i said earlier it's like everybody has collective responsibility mm -hmm. in this it's like 
there needs to be firstly be more discussion around this and like less like taboo um because like that damn word taboo seems to be causing all of the freaking problems um, but again like i think it's collective responsibility um because like there needs to be more there are more companies coming into this space trying to make it safer um but also then we need better government regulation and more discussions with people that actually work in the industry users need to be consuming their content more consciously um i know that people say that pay for your porn and then it's ethical exactly i was just about Um, to ask that i mean yes if you can you should however i know that like a lot of the ethical sites the whole tagline is it's like a netflix subscription Mm. and i get that and i agree like if you can you should however i don't feel like we can offer that as the only solution to ethical consumption because the fact is that a lot of people don't pay and are uncomfortable with paying and we're not in a place yet i think where a lot of people people do and people should but not everybody wants to so it can't be the only solution um which is why then i always say like then like if you can't pay or you feel uncomfortable then what you should do is talk to like performers like on twitter or something ask like which studios have you had the best experience with and then you can search like that via tube sites or something like that mm-hmm. like that's one way to kind of like consume a bit better um, do you have other tips for people to con- consume porn more uh, conscious even go on just fan sites and because not all performers content is um paid a lot of performers have free pages too mm-hmm. and that's the way for you to then directly also like the um the content you know is coming from them is what they want to be producing etc um that's also a good thing they like, not everything on a fan site is paid um so it's kind of just being a little bit more aware of that but i just i don't i think it is important to pay for your porn but it's just we can't offer that as the only solution um, no, i agree with you i agree that shouldn't be only one uh, verification of uh, is is it porn pro- is the porn or the content produced ethically or professionally or you know consciously or mm. if yeah i don't pay it i cannot there is no way i can consume it ethically and then another thing as well i would say is like reporting um, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't actually statistically report on porn sites that they come across something problematic. Mm. Um, or even like if you know, like if you see like a studio is doing a plot line or something that you think is crossing a line, it's like but, but when someone where someone can report it. You can report on tube sites. Okay, do the tube There's a report s- button, it's really it, like where yeah, but I think but it's something they think like a what was it? I think it was like in twenty twenty, it was like eleven percent of mm-hmm. Like, in, like harmful content was reported only 11 percent mm-hmm. but i think people are just scared to press any buttons <laughs> yeah but like, i don't know if because as you said earlier maybe the moderation of of it or response of the customer support isn't there so maybe they report and someone like maybe even doesn't maybe take it seriously insights have to reply to reports within seven days mm-hmm. with mastercard regulations or you can risk getting cut off mastercard mm-hmm. yeah but i think it's like it's the same for social media you know like it's important to report stuff if it's like harmful or illegal yeah or expect it yeah. um yeah i mean there's just so many things that can be done to make the industry space safer but um and then also on the performer side of things you know like 
being cautious about what kind of content you're putting out, um, making sure you have all your paperwork. You know, people, performers that have worked in this industry for a while, they know to have their paperwork in place. Busted. The issue is, though, I think, with the mainstreamness now of starting a fan page, because there's that joke, like, mm-hmm. I'll just start, like, a fan page. Yeah. Um, you then have people coming into the industry that are not familiar with 2257s and all this paperwork and all this stuff they need to do. They think they can just open an account and start posting pornography and stuff like that. I know. Funny. And so I think like that's also something that there needs to be more like awareness of is you can't just do that. There is a legal system to this. Yes. Again, like mainstream porn performers and like people that are in this industry, they know that they need to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. They should be doing it. But it's I worry most about like people that aren't from the industry now making content online and not doing the proper paperwork. Oh, I have seen so much of paperwork not being done correctly. Yep. That I'm like, crying my eyes I'm like I mean, like, asking I mean like, I've had things oh. where people are like to me I'm saying where's your paperwork like and then they'll be like to me like oh but like I don't talk to that person anymore like so I was like do you no, not yeah like, that, that's not a good response like you need to have your paperwork and there isn't an excuse and, for and there is not like it's not like I don't talk to this person anymore. You should have that pa- paperwork before you start exactly, recording exactly. the content. Like capture IDs, fill in the paperwork. Yes, find out mm-hmm. what you need. And it's like this producing. is like for your protection as well. Yes, as it's very yes. much your protection. You can get into some serious trouble if you don't do it properly. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think people just, I think some of it might be. I know because like from some performers but they just said oh but it's so much effort and it's like okay well that's not a good reason not to do it well you're running your own business so yes yeah, like everything's effort in life yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah I think like it is a huge issue now of like just like yeah. random people of social media making fan site pages and then not knowing the safety legal mm. of this industry yeah, we also, you and I, we spoke a little bit about STI testing, you know, that people are just get together at fuck yeah. and they are like, oh, whatever. Because the studio system, you have to be tested every two weeks, but then with the site system, it's up to well, you. It's every two weeks in the United States, but in Europe, it's still every 30 days because, you know, yeah. how long the the infection or anything gets developed, you know, it takes several weeks before it actually starts showing up on the test results. Um but still, like, then if you take the risk as a solo creator and have sex with someone without STI testing, even not for creating the content in general, you know, like, you're putting yourself, your work at risk because then, let's say, for another, I don't know, two months, you but can... But it's also, like, you lose money, you know? Exactly. Because, like, if you're then out of action for a certain yeah. amount of time and stuff like that, that's money. Um, yeah. If you're doing fan site work or studio work, um, mm-hmm. so just, like, just do your testing. You have to look at it as a business expense. Yeah. And so what are the projects that you are working on now? Right now. Right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm working on like the subsect stuff about trying to raise more awareness around um, like the business issues in the industry. Um, also working on a book. <laughs> on the oh, wow. Book. Can yeah, you yeah, like, yeah. tell just a little bit more what about? Or... Um, so it's going to be about um, like starting Freya and then all of the like ridiculous challenges that came in. Yes. Of writing a porn company and like just like the randomness of entering the industry and then finding out what it's like like kind of having misconceptions about it then realizing what it's actually like and then how like our like financial system is being set up to kind of make new companies like fail basically yeah. kind of like going into that side of things um so yeah i'm working on that right now how far are you into that so out of it's in four parts and i've written three parts out of four 
Excellent, excellent. Well, when you have it, when you're selling it, just let me know. I will put the link into the podcast and Thank we'll you. drop some and information. Then, um, yeah, and then like, well, now I'm focusing more on education again. So I've gone back to um, focusing on like the free education site um, and trying to get more performers to give the sex ed because I always make the joke that I think like young people prefer to learn from a performer than their biology teacher (laughs) (laughs) practice you know like it's from practice and I guess that's really really important and yeah that's really cool that's Mm -hmm. really cool so if someone would like to get in touch with you how can they do it my instagram is the best place um probably so it's maria.bettina um, you can find me on there and then or on TikTok it's Freya XO. And yeah, I reply to my messages, so <laughs> <laughs> super I will add this to the information in the podcast notes. Mm-hmm. Um is there anything else that you would like to add? No, I think that, I think I spoke a lot. <laughs> we did, we did cover a lot and thank you very much for your time and I think it was fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me.